0: Hey there, Shelly. Have you heard about VanHack?
1: Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm?
0: That's the one. VanHack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally.
1: Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle.
0: Absolutely. VanHack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease.
1: And they have a talent pool specifically curated for tech professionals.
0: Tech-savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs.
1: VanHack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants.
0: So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join VanHack today.
1: Yeah, visit VanHack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips.
0: VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, I'm pretty excited about this episode because we're bringing on one of our friends in the industry.
1: Yes, absolutely, Serge. I am very pleased to invite back to the show Ilya Brodsky, who is the CEO of VanHack. Thank you for coming back on the show. So good to see you.
2: My pleasure, Shelly. Great to be here and good to see you. And it's okay to see you too, Serge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Because I did not know as many red hot chili pepper songs in Vegas. Is that the reason (laughs) you guys bonded and now I'm left out here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Your coolness factor dropped maybe a couple points, but back over to you, Ilya. (laughs) I know you've got some exciting news that we're going to talk about on the show today. You've also got some great stuff that you're going to share about what's happening in the industry and here in Canada. But before we go there, Can you recap a little bit about who you are and how you came to found VanHack? And if I could, please don't miss out the very important and exciting news about some funding you've just received.
2: Definitely. So for me, I was born an immigrant, or at least that's how I feel. My first memory of my life was actually leaving the USSR to move to Israel when I was two and a half, and then a few years later, moving to Vancouver. Immigration and relocation has been part of who I've been since I can remember, Then after graduating from university, I moved to Brazil to work in a mining company, ended up moving to a tech accelerator where I met a lot of software engineers who are really good at coding, but not so good at communication and doing job interviews, who all wanted to relocate to Canada. So I started English school to help them improve those skills. And then that morphed into a recruiting company, which is what VanHack is today. We've done just under 2000 hires at North American companies, as well as companies in Europe. And we recently closed our first major funding, which was a $3 million seed round led by Golden Sections, a great VC out of Houston, Texas. And we're excited to keep growing and help changing people's lives while supplying talent to all those companies that need it. I was really surprised, Ilya, that you pretty much bootstrapped the company from day
0: one. This was one of your first funding. I know you got small funding a couple of years ago, but this was your first big raise, right?
2: Yeah, we did a few programs. We did Start Chile, which was equity free program, and then after that, we did the Tech Stars program, which was equity investment about one hundred twenty thousand US dollars back in twenty seventeen, and then we tried to raise money afterwards. We tried to raise half a million euros in Germany. And all the VCs and investors said no, but then all the customers kept saying yes. Yeah, so we actually made more money in the last three months of 2017 they we we're trying to raise from customers, and that has been our focus up until now. And that's been a little bit different startup journey, but especially in this environment with the zombie corns and a lot of companies who raised a lot of money, burned it. I feel like it was a blessing in disguise. What was the term you just used? Zombi- zombie zombie corn. That's something I Okay, there. that's a new yeah. one. <laughs>
1: So you know what I love about your explanation is that throughout the journey of building your company and all the great things you've done, I love how you've never lost sight of the fact that you're changing people's lives, because that's why I chose recruitment as my life's work. It is changing one life at a time. And one of the things we wanted to have you on the show to talk about was some of the things that happened most recently with Canada's new immigration update. Can you talk a little bit more about what did it mean for the Minister, Sean Fraser, to be at Collision? And for the audience, maybe a little bit of background about Collision and why that was such an important announcement.
2: Definitely. Collision Conference is part of the web summit conference so they're out of Dublin, and they also have conferences in Hong Kong. I believe they're launching Web Summit in Qatar. They have one in Rio. Anyway, it's probably the largest tech conference company in the world. And they relocated or started hosting Collision in Toronto from New Orleans in 2019. And then with 2020, 2021, I believe they stopped with COVID and then came back last year and, and again this year. And it's the biggest tech conference in Canada by far, I would say, and one of the biggest ones in North America. It was really nice to see uh, Mr. Fraser there. I actually had a chance to meet him last year and chat a little bit with him. And then seeing him on stage and announcing that it just shows the Canada's commitment to immigration and how big of a differentiator that is and improving our tech sector versus the US, which we can get into in terms of one of the specific policies that they announced. The global Stream visa was also announced or promoted a lot by Justin Trudeau during the first conference in 2019. And it's been a program that's been helping a lot of tech talent relocate to Canada and been a big boon for our economy.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that. Well, first of all, was Sean Fraser supposed to be there? Was this a surprise announcement? Like, how did that go down?
2: It was a surprise to me. I actually was told by one of the ministers of British Columbia, Brenda Bailey. She was at our booth, and she said, "Hey, you're probably excited about the announcement coming up," and I didn't know about it, but I think it was probably on the agenda. I just missed it or something like that. But yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. I know that you know IRCC and the Minister of Immigration have been doing roundtables. I went to one earlier this year in Vancouver and they have been doing like a tour across the country, trying to listen and understand what they can do to improve immigration policy. And these are some of the ideas that they have. But uh, yeah, I wasn't aware but it. It was a pleasant surprise for sure.
0: Well, let's dig into it. This announcement made international news. It was very dominant. You saw it across everywhere in our industry. The first one is new permanent resident stream for tech
2: talent. What is new? What is it? Yeah, this is basically saying that if you're a STEM professional or you fall into one of the tech professions that the government designates, like software engineer, QA, etc, then you get higher points in express entry, basically express entry, it's the way that people can become Canadian permanent residents. So you fill in, you say, I have this level of English, this is my age, education level, basic demographic information about yourself, and that gives you a score, usually around 300, 400 points. And then the last year or so, generally, since COVID, things have been really slow. So a lot of people have been in the express entry queue waiting to become Canadian permanent residents. And so there was a lot of really great talents, a lot of folks who were either already in Canada or not in Canada yet, who were getting left behind. And we had really aggressive immigration goals, and we weren't meeting them. So I think having the specific stream for tech talent. Really shows the government's commitment to bringing in as many tech professionals to Canada, not just with work permits, but with permanent residence cards, which means that they're Canadians that just can't vote. That's really the only difference. And then three years after you get your PR permanent resident, you can apply to become a citizen. So yeah, we're trying to get as many skilled workers here as possible. And this is definitely a step in the right direction.
1: You talk about the backlog of the queue. Yeah. And that makes sense because I know you you couldn't really be bringing people in during COVID. So talk a bit about the global talent stream processing times coming back. What is normal? (laughs) And what was it?
2: So when the program was announced back on June 12, 2017, I uh, remember that day very well, there was a promise of being a two weeks processing time for the LMIA, which is the company side of things, and then two week processing time for the work permit, which is the candidate side of things. Basically, the company applies for a permit to hire a specific person from abroad. And get them a, a work permit. Once they get that code, which is the LMA code, they send that to the candidate. The candidate then uses that code to apply for a work permit in their home country. And then they get a work permit in a passport, either mailed to them or when they arrive at an airport or port of entry in Canada. So, they, you know, said two weeks, two weeks, but in reality, it's been around two months total processing time. That's what we've seen, just because there's time to fill in the forms and wait to get your passport shipped back to you and things like that. And once COVID hit, those processing times went out the window, it was like eight months, nine months, 10 months for processing global stream visas. And then slowly it's been coming back to quote unquote normal. Yeah, I was (laughs) laughing, the government is proud to be back to where it was six years ago, or seven years ago, back to two months. So I mean, it's great, but I I wrote an article about it. And I said, imagine if Tim Cook went on stage and announced iPhone eight, hey, we're back to iPhone eight, you know, this year, it's kind of the same. I understand there's been a pandemic and stuff. But why wasn't this done before? Thankfully, because of COVID, companies were much more open to hiring people who were starting remotely, companies were able to still get that talent on board. But that talent just happened to stay in their home country for longer, and lost revenue and tax dollars for Canadian government. But uh, yeah, here we are, we're back to normal, which is great. And hopefully it gets a lot faster. I really love that
0: analogy as far as Tim Cook going on stage. And hey, guys, we've got the iPod coming out again. I don't know the impact of it. I want to jump into the next one. Startup visa applicants get three-year work permits. What does that mean? Is it just highly focused on companies that are startup or candidates applying for startup companies?
2: This is actually for entrepreneurs. So this visa is specifically for founders, people who have companies, and they want to bring those companies to Canada before the program was delaying maybe one or two years even to apply. And the way the program works is it's not a work permit program, or at least before it wasn't, it was directly to PR. That's one of the reasons why it took a little bit longer. And the only thing that they changed was they just made it so when you apply for the startup visa, you get a three year work permit upfront, So you can actually come to Canada and start working. You just don't have your permanent residency yet. I think it was a good change. You definitely want people to be able to bring their businesses, their capital, create jobs in Canada. That was a positive to see. And it's not really a space that Van Hack is in too much because we focus more on the software mm-hmm. engineers and designers, tech talents. But uh, there's definitely a, a lot of entrepreneurs that would love to come to Canada, invest in our economy. And I think this change will help more people come here.
1: I agree. I agree. Can you talk a little bit about the ability for new Canadians to come with or without a job offer? What makes me nervous about this is people coming without a job, mm-hmm. under the understanding that this is the land of milk and honey. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this time and time again, I'm thinking in the medical profession, where someone is a fully trained x ray tech in their home country, they come here and they can't work at all. Mm -hmm. So, Talk a bit about the ability to come to Canada with a job offer or not. And is this just specific to the tech sector?
2: So this one was the most exciting one for me, but it also was the one with, with the least information shared. It was literally one sentence. Oh. The Minister of Immigration said, "Over the course of this year, Canada is going to be developing a specific stream for some of the world's most talented people that will be able to come to Canada and work for tech companies whether they have a job offer or not." That's all it was, one sentence. Which what does world's most highly talented people mean? How are they going to define that? Who's going to define that? Is it just someone who graduated from university with a software engineering degree? Do they have to have a certain amount of years of experience? How is that gonna be proved? If the government wants to come to the Van VanHack talent pool and we can verify all those candidates and they can auto approve those people's visas, that'd be great. Actually, that could be a pretty good idea. That but, is a good idea. <laughs> We'll see. i uh, Yeah, if anyone's listening from Minister's office, I'll have to reach out to them. But it's definitely interesting. I know Germany has a job seeker visa. So maybe this is similar to that where people can apply and have a job seeker visa. This one's gonna be for five years. I saw that in another announcement in the official press release. But yeah, it could be very exciting because the biggest barrier of hiring, in my opinion, is the location status on LinkedIn, or at least for international, you know, senior developers, a lot of times when we have van hackers hired actually met one at an event this week. And he told me he was in Brazil when he got the job from van hack, uh, actually at an American company, but then he ended up moving here to, to Vancouver. And once he updated his status on LinkedIn or location to Vancouver, he just got bombarded with recruiters messages. So if this is able to help people who maybe have some savings, or maybe they're working remotely for a US company or a company in their home country, they can come to Canada, with a work permit already and then just start working right away with not having to apply for the visa, that'll make local candidates and global candidates basically the same. You don't have to go through the whole global talent stream visa or, or anything like that and none of the t- processing times. That'd be amazing. That would really be opening the doors for a lot of employers who are worried about sponsorship. They don't know how it works. They don't want to pay the fees. They don't want to go through the timeline. And another thing, as a talent, you can go to the events, you can go to the Office knock on the company's door, which it does stand for something. I feel like you know, networking is a big part of how do you get hired here. We'll see what the actual details are and how it works, but. One thing that we used to do at VanHack is we used to actually fly developers who wanted to move to a specific city, to Calgary, to Toronto, to Berlin, and have a one-week recruitment fair with them, maybe 10, 20 candidates. And those worked really well. We called it VanHack Leap. This was pre-COVID. That's something we're thinking about bringing back because we find that once you have that in-person connection, in-person interview, the conversion rate between interview to hire is much better than if it's just a virtual interview. We'll see how this goes, but I'm definitely excited about it. The next one I
0: want to jump into, and I thought this one was a little bit confusing, Canada to launch a digital nomad visa. Mm. Just looking at what a digital nomad, you come here to work for six months and you can work remotely. Yeah. I'm really confused where the value is because you could do this in different ways uh, without a visa, depending on which country. But what was your overall take on this one?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to toot my own horn here. This was my idea, <laughs> or at least okay. I think it was. Not the way that it's implemented, because I agree with you. The way that it's implemented is not in the best way with a six-month limit. But yeah, I, I'm part of a group called CCI, the Council for Canadian Innovators. It's basically a lobbying group for the tech industry, started by Jim Balsilli and John Ruffalo. And I was having lunch with the, the CEO, Benjamin, and a few other folks, and uh, kind of brought up the fact that there's digital nomad visas in Estonia and Costa Rica and the Cayman Islands. Spain has one. Brazil launched one, it's the 40 or 50 countries have them. And basically the idea of a digital nomad visa is if you're making money online, which a lot of knowledge workers these days are, and you're making over a certain amount of money, every country has a certain amount of salary, X thousand dollars per month, then you can come and live in the country for a certain amount of time. Usually it's one or two years. I thought that'd be really good for Canada to have one because... That way, we can get a lot of people who are working for, let's say, American companies, but they can't move to the US so they can just come and work and live in Canada and contribute to our economy, buy groceries, rents, all those things. But the way that it was done here is the six-month limit, which what's the difference between doing that and coming on a tourist visa? It's the same thing. I'm on a tourist visa, stay for, I believe, three months, but you can renew your tourist visa or visitor visa, I think is the official term in Canada, as many times as you want. I feel like we missed the mark here. Hopefully, it evolves into maybe a one year visa, two year visa. And I think that you should be able to go all the way to citizen through this visa without having to necessarily get hired at a Canadian company. Imagine you're a software engineer working for US tech company making 200k US a year. Why would you want to move to Canada if you have to get a job at a Canadian company, which probably will pay you less than 200k US just because of the visa and Canadian citizenship? I think this one is almost there. They're on the right track. And from what I see, trying to figure it out. It makes sense to have a digital nomad visa. It just needs to be a little bit different than it is right now.
0: Six months was a really confusing point. As long as they're bringing revenue, they're employed, working, why limit it at six months? This is the first iteration of it. I think we will see it change throughout the years.
2: Yeah, I mean, just the fact that they're even considering having a digital nomad visa is exciting, right? I, I didn't think that this would happen so soon or even at all. And if you think about it, it's like you're basically Stealing the revenue or the money from another country, right? If you're working for an American company but getting paid in Canada, your money is going to be spent in Canada. You're going to be developing the economy of Canada as a tech worker. I think that we need to be doing everything we can to bring these people here. Just don't need to be necessarily working for a Canadian company to do so. Yeah.
1: I think the real fringe benefit of that is their family. Yes. Because you may be working, but I know I spent a number of years recruiting globally. And the bonus was spouse and adult children because they will also be looking for work. What we definitely need is young, educated people to come to Canada and set down roots. So the six months is just a head scratcher for me. Who's going to do that? Other than the adventurous single, it really is limiting, honestly. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. But there could be a way. It depends on the minimum salary. So if the minimum salary that the person needs to be making in order to get a digital nomad visa is not too high, let's say it's 50K or something like that, which is the Canadian average salary, then they would be incentivized to come to Canada. Let's say they're working in Latin America or Asia, Africa, where the salaries for tech workers there are lower, but it's high enough to get the digital nomad visa. So then they can come to Canada, figure out a way to go to networking events, etc. And then get a higher paying job and stay in Canada. Something like that could work as a path. But I don't think that's going to be too common. And it's a big risk, especially like you said, for people with families to come. And I don't think you can afford to live pretty well on a 50k salary with a family of more than two people really, given the housing prices and stuff like that. It should be for more time and it should be unlimited. If you're making over $5,000 or 10000 Canadian dollars per month, you should just be able to live in Canada, you don't need to have a work permit for a Canadian company. And then maybe your spouse gets a work permit and your kids get a study permit, and they can work and study in Canada. But why incentivize people to get a job at a Canadian company, they can just get a job at a German US Japanese company, and keep living in Canada, and then become a permanent resident. I want to jump into the next announcement uh,
0: and this is the one that I like the most because I'm extremely competitive and I love trying to poach talent from the US. So this one mm-hmm. is automatic visas for 10,000 H1B workers. 10,000 I think is a rough number. We'll take as many
2: as we can get. But what was your overall take on this? Yeah, this was an ambitious, exciting, out of the box thinking. It's a little bit wishful thinking too. If you're an H1B holder in the US, the only reason you would move to Canada is if you were going to get laid off and you had no other option to stay in the US, which happens from time to time and people don't necessarily get it renewed. And there already are some companies who actually offer this service. Mob Squad, for example, give them a shout out. They're a great company that helps people relocate H 1B workers who are running into visa issues and move them up to Canada. Actually, most of them come to Calgary. But I just don't think it's going to be that many. I hope to be wrong because obviously it's great to get more talent to Canada. But I don't think a lot of H-1B holders, unless they have really no other choice, would want to come to Canada. I think a lot of them would want to stay in the U.S. because they're already living there and probably getting a pretty good salary as well.
0: I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that one because I'm so pro-Canadian and quality of life is generally better. If you look at all the surveys, it's better in Canada. For American listeners, I'm... 100% 100% bias. yeah. but I see exactly what you mean. It's actually a lot easier to immigrate to Canada than to the U.S. in general. So if you can get in the U.S., not a lot of people would move. And you can look at the story of some of the biggest entrepreneurs in the world. Elon Musk is a perfect example. Canada was this gateway to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Shamat from uh, Facebook, same thing. They yeah. immigrated to Canada and then made their way into the U.S. But I do think this will get a ton of traction more than you think it will.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I definitely want to be proven wrong on this because like more people living in Canada, more tax dollars for our governments. We need someone to pay for the schools and the hospitals and stuff. But I do think that the people this would be aimed at is Indian nationals because it's like a 50-year wait period for them to get the green card. Okay. Because it's a limit per country and primarily people who get H-1Bs are from India. Probably people who can't get their US green card would be interested in coming to Canada, getting their Canadian PR, becoming Canadian citizen, And then moving back to the U.S.
1: (laughs) Can you just help me understand, when you say a 50-year wait
2: for a green card, a green
1: card means you don't have to keep renewing your work permit?
2: Yeah, a green card in the U.S. is basically like a Canadian permanent residency. They're both equivalent. So you're essentially an American citizen. You just can't vote. I think that's the biggest difference. Similar to permanent residency, I don't know if it's 50 years or more or less. I don't know exactly, but I know it's some ridiculously high number of years, Mm -hmm. because the way the US immigration system works is that the amount of people who can get green card is limited by country by nationality. And it's the same amount for every nationality. Mm -hmm. It's the same amount for people from Jamaica as it is from people from India, right Two vastly different populations. India is the largest country in the world by population, I think just overtook China this year, definitely the largest software engineering population in the world. And so they're the ones who come to the US primarily on H1Bs, but then they get stuck where they actually can't Get a green card. So they're in the US, they have a 1B, but they have to keep renewing. They're not sure if it's going to actually get approved or not because every year is a lottery. This visa is targeted at these folks, which is a lot of really skilled workers and a lot of them come to Canada. But I'd be curious about how many of them once they get their Canadian citizenship, or they'll just stay in Canada and get paid working for a US company as well. So that's a big, big theme too.
0: So, yeah. Ilya, I wanted to have an uncomfortable discussion around immigration and what we're seeing in the Canadian market right now. Obviously, you've seen the growth of Canada when it comes to immigration. I believe it's the last two years we've brought in around 1.5 million new Canadians. And mm-hmm. we are seeing large issues in certain parts of the country when it comes to infrastructure. To actually find housing, it's been almost impossible for them. To find a role, as Shelley was mentioning, that is equivalent to what they're looking for has been really challenging. And on the flip side, we're seeing a lot of people coming in and companies are looking at hiring, but they're not filling the roles that we actually need. seems like we're not connecting the dots. Can you give me a sense of what your thoughts are around the infrastructure challenges that we're coming across and how do we fix those? Because I'm getting some feedback from new Canadians that it's not what I expected.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's very sad. I think housing is the key. What do you do? Build more. Remove the gatekeepers and the permits and the nimbyism. I think that's the key issue. I don't know exactly how all the permitting works, but I definitely know that we're way too slow. So we're saying one thing, hey, everyone come here, but then we don't have a house for those people. And yeah, it's tough. Very stressful. So thankfully, a lot of our candidates come in with pretty high salaries and they have jobs when they arrive. They can find a place and have a reference and all that stuff. But even still, it's really difficult. So I would say that's a problem that needs to be solved. I don't know how to solve it specifically, other than just build a lot more housing. And uh, yeah, maybe not so much NIMBYism. Shelly, I know what you're looking Yeah, let me chime in there. on this, yeah.
1: because I lived through firsthand building an oil sands plant in Fort McMurray, $12 billion. And the challenge was finding the talent, because yeah. we knew where they were, but there was nowhere to live. The catch-22 is you can do all the building permits that you want. But the people we need to build it are the ones we're trying to bring into the country.
0: <laughs> good point.
1: <laughs> so we do need to fix this first. But when you look at attracting the talent that we need to fix the problem, it does mean giving them a bit of a break for interest rates to purchase a home because the long-term benefit to the economy is undeniable. The solution may be something as simple as incentives and programs to allow people to purchase homes sooner it doesn't have to necessarily say new Canadians, but there is a first time homebuyer program just announced. Because if you're a new Canadian, you would be.
0: Looking at other countries where there's been a lot of immigration, I think a perfect example is what's happening in Paris, because of how much immigration that we brought into the country. And there seems to be in certain pockets, a little bit of dissension on both sides, right? Like, the promise of coming to a country, not being, and then other people feeling that they're causing their housing to go up, all of those factors. Like, how do we make sure that we don't repeat those errors?
2: Yeah. I think immigration for immigration's sake, but it's not about raw numbers. I think it's about quality of talent. So if you bring in a thousand people, but they're not able to work or they don't speak English, or they just aren't qualified for whatever reason, that's a problem because it's going to be tough for them and it's gonna be tough for people who are here locally, and maybe they're going to use social services and stuff like that and be a drain on the economy. But if you bring in qualified PhD, biomedical or software engineers, or whatever, high skilled demand workers, they're going to find jobs, and they're going to be able to contribute to the economy, which then will create more jobs for Canadians, and then be net positive. It's really about being more of a surgical sniper approach than just a shotgun hey, everyone, you come to Canada. I know there's obviously situations like the Ukraine-Russia war, and they brought 70,000 Ukrainians to Canada. I know a lot of them still are trying to figure out how to fit in. A lot of them have gotten jobs, but a lot of them haven't. There's special situations with that. But I think in general, we do a pretty good job of bringing in with that express entry we're talking about. Usually it's people who are in their early to mid-30s, university educated, speak English at a high enough level. And those are the kind of folks that will add to the economy. If we Just open the borders and let anyone walk in. That's definitely a problem. But I think if we look at it like recruiting, we're recruiting the best and the brightest.
0: Overall, Ilya, so this new announcement from Sean Frazier, is it good or bad? What's your
2: general? Um, Yeah, definitely good. Any kind of progress in immigration, anything that makes it easier for people to come to Canada and have success here is a positive. There's still things that I would love to understand a little bit better, and I'm sure the details will come out in the next few weeks or months. But yeah, it's definitely good. So for everyone listening,
0: you can find Ilya Bratsky on LinkedIn. You can also definitely go check out vanhack.com. Anywhere else that they can find you,
2: Ilya. I guess email Ilya at vanhack.com. So you can shoot me an email. I'm the only person in the world with my name, so pretty easy to find on Google and LinkedIn's my preferred social network, also Twitter. And if you're looking to hire senior tech talent, check out vanhack.com. Definitely recommend I love
0: it. it. And Ilya, thank you for being a partner to the show and thank you for coming on. Your insights were extremely
2: valuable to us and the audience. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. And I look forward to getting that jacket for the fourth time on the podcast.
1: <laughs>
2: awesome. <laughs> I'll be thrifting
1: that this weekend.
2: <laughs> Sweet.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Ilya.
2: Thanks, Shelly. Bye, Serge. Cheers. Bye.